You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Today we're starting 2020 by addressing an incredible question, who is Jesus? Now, I want you just to turn to your neighbor and just ask him the question, who is Jesus? Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We just talked about upping it by 50%. Let's try that again. Turn to your neighbor and say, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Oh, yeah, that's so, so much better. Good job. Who is Jesus? And then on the little card that you're either sitting on or you've slid aside or you got it in your hand, on the back side it says, and why should we care? And we are going to spend some time over the next few weeks looking at this. And in order to do that, we are going to answer that question by studying the gospel according to Mark. And we have a tool for you, for your family, for you individually. They're out in the lobby. If you were with us in the month of November when we started the series in Mark, you may have got a copy. But if you didn't, this is the textbook that we want you to use from now and really through most of 2020. We're going to be studying the Gospel of Mark. And so, and you say, well, what is it? Well, it's the Gospel of Mark. And uh, on one side, it's the Gospel. It's the story. But on the other side, it's a journal where you can write in things that God is speaking to you, um, uh, highlights from the message, things that, that are standouts. And what our goal is, is that this not only is God's Word, which should be a treasure, but when you add and you put in a measure of work into this text, you add your thoughts, that this will be a treasure, something you can go back to and that God will use in your life. How many have ever been in a service and God is moving and then later you're like, well, what, was, what did the pastor say or what, what were God, what were you saying? You can have a spot to go back and we encourage you to do that. And week in and week out, we want you to bring your textbook. Now, if you haven't got a copy, there's some on the outside tables. You can take those. They're our gift to you. Uh, if you want to participate in helping us buy those, you can. And there's a way to do that inside each one, and you'll find that. But it's a great tool to do that. Now, when we studied, when we studied the book of Mark, we know that it's a fast-paced gospel, even though we're going to take our time getting through it. Um, it is a gospel that Mark wrote, but it was written in, it's really Peter's story. It's Peter's recollection of Jesus' ministry. So it's Jesus' story, but it's from Peter's perspective. Mark is the one writing it. And in the preamble, what we've covered so far in chapter 1, we've talked about John the Baptist, him going out into the wilderness, people, people coming, being baptized. Uh, we've talked about Jesus' baptism. We talked about right after that that Jesus was taken into the wilderness, and we talked about wilderness seasons. And then out of that, Jesus comes, and he's calling his disciples, and, and he's creating his team. And then we took two Sundays before our Christmas uh, series took off to talk about one day. It was a memorable day. In verses 21 through 34, at Jesus, it's the Sabbath, so it's a Sunday. And he shows up at the synagogue, he's teaching, he is, uh, the people are amazed at his teaching, and all of a sudden, a man bursts in with an unclean spirit, disrupts the service, and Jesus isn't going to have it. 
He puts his foot down, and he casts the demon out of this man. The man goes free. The people are like, what in the world is going on? His teaching is incredible, but he has power and authority even over demons. And they were amazed at his authority. And then in verse 28, it says that the news spread quickly. So the word got out. And then that same day, later that day, Peter and Andrew, they open up their house to Jesus. Jesus goes. He's going to spend some time there. It was probably the hub that he uh, worked out of uh, there in Galilee. He heals his, their mother-in-law. And then in verse 32 and 33, look what it says. Verse 32, it says, The evening at sundown, they brought Jesus all who were sick and oppressed by demons. So again, the word had got out. They're bringing people even to Andrew and Peter's home. And it says, and the whole city was gathered together at their door. Now, is that, you know, an exaggeration? I don't know. But regardless, God was moving. It was an exciting time for them. And I'm thinking, if I'm one of the disciples that was newly recruited, they're thinking, this is going viral, right? This is going crazy. Let's make t-shirts. Let's, let's get a fan club together. Let's rent an auditorium. Let's set up shop, and let's leverage what's happening, right? That's what my impression would be. But Jesus, in his mind, his purpose was not to please the, the will of the disciples and their crazy thoughts. It wasn't even to please those that were coming in trying to receive ministry. When we look at the passage we're going to study today, we get a glimpse into Jesus and his priority. We see his character. We see his plan, so to speak. What we, what we see is who Jesus really is. And without further ado, turn with me to, Ma to Mark chapter 1. We'll start in verse 35. We do have these verses on the scripture or on the screens. It says, in very early in the morning. This is the day after, this memorable day when Jesus is healing. They start in the synagogue, move on, so on and so forth. It says, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. They're saying, what's going on? Where'd you go? Everyone's looking. And he said to them, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And we went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. In this these few verses... We see Jesus and his plan. His plan was to please God. His plan was to spend time with his Father. His plan was to do what the Father planned for him to do. And in verse 38, he says, this is why I have come. This is why I'm here. And that links back to verses 14 and 15. Um, at the beginning of uh, the chapter of Mark 1, and where Jesus, he's, uh, he comes into Galilee proclaiming the gospel message. And this is why he came. He, just, he says it right up front. He says, the time is fulfilled. In other words, the time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe 
in the gospel. And so verse 38 is tied to these two verses, and we see three things here. Number one, the time has come. The fulfillment of Scripture, Old Testament. It's a new season. For us, we can kind of put it, put it in our perspective. It's a new year. It's 2020, right? It's a new day. There's a new covenant kind of moving, moving out. And it's like never before. And I just want to say this, declare this over us as a church, that we are in a season and we'll continue to experience a season like we've never seen before. Amen? Amen. The second thing we see is he says to repent. And that's a core message in Jesus' gospel, in the gospels. Repenting means to say I'm sorry. Yes, that's part of it. But it's more than just saying I'm sorry. It's a change of our mindset. It's a, if you're going this direction, you're now going 180 degrees the other direction. There's a change that happens, and repentance is part of that. But then there's a third thing that we see in that little pronouncement. He says to believe in the gospel. And that's the part I want to focus in on today in regards to this message. What does gospel ministry look like? What does it look like? Well, what we're going to see here is that gospel ministry and experiencing the gospels is the idea that now we can know God personally, intimately, that we can have a relationship with Jesus, with our Heavenly Father. And that's what's modeled here. And that's why I've been excited about these verses. When we planned this all out, we wanted to start with this little set of verses in 2020 to kind of set the pace for the year. And with God's help, we're going to do that. Because this is a story about relationship. It's a story about prayer. And when you think about that and you put it in Jesus' context, I, I just have a question. Why do you think Jesus prayed? What do you think the reason, why would Jesus pray? If anyone could have had a pass on praying, it would have been Jesus. Because you think of who Jesus is, right? We know that he's God's son. He's fully God, fully man. Last, last month we talked about that, Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, human. For unto us a son is given. That's godly. That's you know, the son of God, right? So we know the nature of God. We study the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We see three persons, but we serve one God. There's, so when Jesus prays, he's praying to himself. You say, you know, theologically, that would almost be ineffective. Would it be a waste of time for Jesus to pray? And, and the question is, why did he pray? Was it for us to kind of model after him? And I think certainly there are things that Jesus did as a model. That's why he got baptized, for example. Is it to model for us that there's more power when we pray? Absolutely. Effectiveness, wisdom, direction. Uh, our needs can be met when we bring those, lay those things at the feet of Jesus. And I think all of those things are true in our possible interpretations. But when I dug into this verse, I think there's something even greater that we see in regards to what Jesus is doing and what is happening here. And the truth is, is that it was Jesus joy to spend time with the Father. When I say spend time, I mean praying, talking to God, listening to God. Prayer was not an end to the means, so to speak, for Jesus. In fact, it was all about relationships. 
I want to read the verse, the key verse for this morning, verse 35, and then a couple other verses that are not on the screens. But verse 35 says, early in the morning, right, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The reason he prayed was because of relationship. A little later on in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 and 46, this is right after Jesus uh, heals the, uh, or not heals, but uh, feeds the 5,000 people, right, with the five loaves, two, two fish. He says immediately he made the disciples get into a boat before him and go to the other side, to Bethsaida, and while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, so he dismisses the crowd, what did Jesus do? He went up on the mountain to pray. It was his joy to spend time with the Father. In Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, from Luke's gospel, uh, we see Jesus, he heals a man with leprosy. It says that the news was spreading about Jesus, similar to the same time, time period as here that we're studying in Mark. And then it says in verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew and he went to lonely places and he prayed. He often withdrew and he often was praying. Now, can we just acknowledge all together that Jesus is all sufficient? He does not need anything. How many would agree? Just say amen. All right? All right. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll let that one slide. Jesus doesn't need a thing. But he longed to be with his Father. His example is all about relationships. He wasn't performing a duty. It was his delight to get away and pray. He was getting close to his Father. And for me, it brought two ideas to my mind. One went back to my growing up years with my dad. And uh, I've had a wonderful dad. I love my dad. And my dad, he had a job. He worked for Ford Motor Company. And he started early. He got off early. He was home by 3 o'clock or maybe 3.15. And from 3 o'clock till 5 o'clock when we ate, he was all mine. We spent time together every single day. I, he, I've told you before, my dad was my best friend growing up. And we spent all our time together. And I look back at that and what a treasure that was for me to be with my dad. And the second thing I thought of is time that I spend with my kids. And, and then not only my time, but my talking with my kids. And when you think about talking to your kids, when your kids say things like, you know, we all ask the question, how was your day, honey? Or how was your day, son? Or whatever. Then they say, fine. Or they, they give you some short answer. Or they shut down. Or they start to avoid you. That's painful, right? We love it when our kids share. When Logan, uh, he's sick this morning, otherwise he would have been playing drums, but, uh, but when, he was, uh, when, he, when he opens up and shares about his, his heart, from his heart what he wants to do or what, what's important to him, or he starts sharing about his friends or different things, it is Jessica and my joy to hear him talk, because it doesn't happen all that often, you know, teenage boy, right? Now, on the flip side, Reagan, she's a sharer, right? Um, she will talk your ear off. She was home for three weeks here, and now she's back in school. But um, 
I mean, she, it's hard to get her to be quiet. And uh, I have a date with my daughter every single week. We schedule it. I call her. We, we talk for 30 minutes. I should say she talks for 30 minutes. And uh, literally, it's like 90-10, 90% her and then 10% me. But it's, I love that, to hear from our kids. If you've got kids, I hope you feel the same. The same is true with time with our kids. Someone said, and I, I don't, that you spell love, T-I-M-E. Love equates to time. There's no substitute for time. In this season, I've committed for my son that I'm waking up with him. We're, we're up every single morning, and I spend the first hour with my son. And, it, and, and until further notice, that's kind of the plan. And it's not that we talk all that much. In fact, Jessica makes fun of us because a lot of times she's like, are you guys even alive in there? Right? Because she's off kind of in her prayer circle and, and we're at the table. And uh, we get, I mean, we might say, <clears throat> you know, like, <clears throat> you know, something like that. But that's about it. And he does the devotion, read. He slides it over to me. I, 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 I might make a one comment or something. But other than that, it's just about being with him. And it's making a difference. The same is true when I take Reagan on a date, uh, just being with her. She's a little different. She wants to talk, like I said. She, she's a little more cuddly. She, wants, she, she will even let me still scratch her back. I love it. It's so much fun. And uh, she likes to snuggle. And Jessica and I, we absolutely enjoy spending time with our kids. In fact, so much. Um, I hope this doesn't embarrass you, Jessica. Yesterday, our daughter, Reagan, she left... She drove away eight hours, nine hours to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And about a half an hour later, I'm in the house with Jessica, and Jessica just seemed down. And I'm like, Jessica, are you okay? She's like, no. <laughs> and I hugged her, and she's crying. And, and she's like, is there a way? Because we, right now it is the plan that we won't see Reagan until May. I know it, for some of you are like, uh, you know, what's the big deal? But for us, we're like, no, I mean, this will be the longest time we've gone without. She's like, Jessica saying, is there a way we could see her from now until May? And we're trying to figure that out. I don't know what will happen, but, but we enjoy it. You say, why are you talking about this? Well, the point is we should have that same sort of anticipation, that so, same sort of enjoyment when it comes to our Heavenly Father communicating with Him. And the question I have for us for each of us is, do we spend time with our Heavenly Father? Do you enjoy your prayer time? Or do you pray just to avoid the guilt that you feel because you didn't spend time praying? Or do you pray just to get through and to get on to what, you really, what really is important or what really needs to be done for the day? When I read Mark chapter 1, verse 35, what I see is that Jesus, he didn't have to pray. He wanted to pray. He longed for that relationship. It's like a best friend. Just think about the person in your life that you would consider a best friend or a really good friend. Maybe you don't have a best friend, but um, hopefully you have at least one friend. If not, I'll be your friend. But, um, but think of you know, someone in your life that you're like, oh, man. And uh, if every time you got together with that person, uh, they always were looking at their watch and, you know, looking at the time, 
uh, and just like, well, you know what, you know, how long is this going to have to be together, whatever. Now, for me, if you're a friend of mine and you want to talk watches and look at our watches, that's totally different story. Um, but totally side note, but uh, because I like watches. But but if that happened, how long would that friendship last? It's not going to, right? Or if you got together every time with that friend and it was like, well. These are the things I need in this and that and this and that and the list goes on. See you tomorrow. How long is that relationship going to last? It's not going to last. That's the point because that's not what a relationship is. A relationship is conversation. It's a connection. And so is prayer. Prayer is a conversation. And when I think of a best friend, I think of a marriage. And for, for me and Jessica, we're best friends here on this side of eternity. And we will talk together. I'll talk. And then Jessica will talk. And sometimes we listen. And sometimes we're just together. And that's okay. The point is you have to spend time. Friendship comes with time. Friendship with God comes through prayer. God wants to know you and for you to know Him. And I get it. Prayer can be difficult. Prayer can be tough. Prayer costs us something. It's, it's a sacrifice. Uh, but is it drudgery? I hope not. If I miss Time with Jessica, for example, I'll be out of town this week a little bit, and I'll be back coming home on Saturday. When I get home on Saturday, is it drudgery to spend time with Jessica or to catch up? Absolutely not. I would enjoy that, look forward to that. If you have not prayed in a long time, should it be drudgery? Like, ah, yeah, I need to get back to prayer. No, there should be a longing to be with God. And in any relationship, if it's going to be growing, it needs private space. It needs time together with no agenda. There needs to be a closeness, right, to understand one another's heart. If we had slides, this certainly would have been a slide. You, I, I put in my notes, you don't create intimacy. You make room for it. You might want to write that down. You don't create intimacy. You make room for it. And that's the truth for a, a spouse, for a friend. It's also true for our Heavenly Father. Let me say it one more time because we don't have it on the slides. You don't create intimacy. You make room for it, and it happens naturally. And the thing that comes against that is efficiency, right? Multitasking, our busy schedules, all of those things will kill intimacy if we're not careful. The point here in this these verses and as we start 2020 with a prayer emphasis, prayer focus is that if Jesus pulled away from people and if Jesus shut down the noise in order so he could pray, we need to do the same. The point is that our prayer at mealtime or our prayer at bedtime or our two-minute prayer here and there may not be enough. In fact, I would say it is not enough. If our prayer is only bringing a list to Jesus, saying, I need this, this, and this, and this, and you only pray when there's tragedy, or there's crisis, or there's needs, that is not enough. In fact, I had this revelation this week. It hit me hard. I, I put in my notes here, yikes, 
that we often will treat other people better than we treat our Heavenly Father in regards to our time, in regards to our relationship. And the question we should ask is, what does our prayer life look like? And when I say prayer life, that's talking to God. That's listening to God. That's spending time with God. What does it look like? At different times in my ministry, people have come to me and said, Hey, Pastor, you know, how does your prayer life look? What, you know, what kind of uh, time frame do you use? When do you pray? How long do you pray? Is there an order to your prayer? And there's lots of ways I could answer that. And uh, we will be doing that on Wednesday nights uh, with different varieties of uh, different types of prayer. And we'll talk about that at the end of the service. Uh, but the disciples came to Jesus and asked him the same question in Luke chapter 11. He, they came and said, teach us to pray. And it's not like these Jewish guys didn't know how to pray. They grew up in Jewish schools. They knew how to study scripture. They knew how to check off the boxes, how to pray. What you, you got to notice is that there was something different that when Jesus prayed, things happened, right? And they are saying, I want that. Jesus, what they noticed, this is key, had been with the Father. Jesus had been with his Father. Have you ever met someone, or maybe you know someone, that when you met them or you were around them, you're like, man, that person, they've been with Jesus? How many, how many can think of someone like that? Yeah, they, It's just marked. It's like, wow. And uh, there's a not necessarily a, a, a literal glow, but there's a sense. It's unmistakable that they have been in the presence of God. It, it's this genuine relationship with God. And, um, and I, I think of people uh, in my life that, that I can point to and say, man, they have been with the Lord. And I would call those people mature Christians. And the thing about a mature Christian or a strong believer is that they pray a lot. And you say, well, why do they pray a lot? Well, it's not that they have all these needs, but they, they realize their depravity and they realize how weak they are, that they need the, the, the relationship with Jesus. They long for that. And what's neat is they don't hide it. And it's evident. The same can be true about a place. Have you ever showed up in a place and you're like, man, the presence of God is there. Hopefully you feel that here. I don't know. Or at a church or you show up to someone's home and you're like, man, there's something different about this home. Like there's peace here. There, you know, God is in this place, right? The fruit of the Spirit are bubbling up. Same kind of thing. We hope that that happens here. The thing that excites me most about this message and the idea of 2020 moving forward with this message is that that can be your story. You can be that person that's been in the presence of God. That people are like, man, there's something different. At work, they're like, man, she's different. In your neighborhood, man, that guy, he's different. What is it? And your home can be a place I believe that the Gateway Church can be a place where people sense the presence of God. Where there's a longing for more than anything, for more of God's presence. 
What do we need more than anything? Is absolutely the presence of God. How does that happen? It happens when we spend time with Jesus. There's no substitute. And the truth is, we become like the people we hang around, the, who we spend time with. And the same is true with our friends, with our spouse, with God Almighty. The more time you spend with the Lord, the more you'll become like Him. And that's the goal. That's the priority. At the beginning of the year, every year, it's important in all of our lives to kind of reflect, right? Say, you know, how have we done? Look back at 2019, look forward to 2020. I'm not a resolution uh, fan necessarily, but I do like goals and, and uh, creating goals and uh, trying to achieve and, uh, and do different things. And, and it's important for, for you to do that. It's important for the church to do that. And we're in the process of, of doing some of those things. But the question that I think is important to just remind ourselves of is why do we exist? Why do we exist as a church? In 2020, in this new year, what do we want as a church? Why is this message in particular important for us? Well, it reminds me and brings me back to our mission and our vision. And I want to just share our mission statement. This is who we are. And it's simple. It says we are a spirit-filled church, right, committed to glorifying God by connecting the people of the lakeshore, say it with me, with God, with each other, and with the world. We often, uh, almost every week, we will shorten that and we will say, hey, we're living out our mission. We're connecting, say it with me, with God, with each other, with the world. And we, we remind ourselves who we are, and that's important. And what that means is when we look at spirit-filled, committed, glorifying, connecting with God, that with God part means a personal relationship with God individually, but also corporately. That this is why we exist. And that's why this message is so critical. When we look about who we want to be, our vision, our vision statement is uh, simple. It's that we are to be. That means we're to become or we're becoming a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in our world. Known in the sense, not in a prideful sense, but if we were plucked out of our existence here in, in Ferrysburg on the lakeshore, that there would be a huge void. And this can be your vision as well, that if you are plucked out of your school, there would be a huge void. If you're plucked out of your work or out of your neighborhood, there would be a huge void. Wherever you go, you should make a difference. I believe that we should make a difference here on the lakeshore. How many are with me? It's our vision, and it will multiply when we're healthy, and we're going to make a difference. And the reason that this vision is important and related to this message is because the way that will happen is through the power of prayer. And as we pray, as we talk about prayer, I almost got giddy thinking about this this week. What if we all prayed this year and our relationship with the Lord increased? Our intimacy with our Heavenly Father increased. 
and then we came together, it would be like, man, God is in that place. It makes me smile to think about you and me pressing in. What if you prayed? What would be different in your family, in your family dynamics? What could God do if you prayed? What if you gave your finances to the Lord and prayed about that? What could God do? What about your physical condition? If you kept on uh, coming to the Lord and, and asking God for that miracle uh, in your life, what prophetically would happen in your life? What, what friends that you have would be saved if you prayed for them every single day? What kind of opportunities would emerge in your life if your relationship with God was red hot? What would that look like? And I get it. Prayer is a sacrifice. It can be hard, and especially in our American culture. We, you know, it's probably one of the hardest places to, to live uh, in 2020 is in North America. Learning to pray, learning to slow down enough to pray. It can become uncomfortable because we prize ourselves on accomplishment and production, right? And prayer is nothing more than talking to God or listening to God. How many of you, and I don't know if we should show our hands or not, but I'm curious. How many, let's try this. You've, how many of you have ever spent time praying and you're like, this seems like a waste of time? Thank you. We got a few honest people. You're like, man, does God even hear me or not even that? Like, man, I need to get to work, right? Maybe I should pray while I work, and maybe that's appropriate for some of you. But there's something about just being in His presence. And yes, it takes time. It's a sacrifice. But what we need more than anything is for God to come close and for us to come close and for us to be with Him and to have an intimacy with our Heavenly Father. You know, this year, this past year, at the beginning, when we rolled off into the new year, and someone was asking me before service, hey, how long have you been in this building? Well, it's uh, next Sunday will be our one-year anniversary of moving in, and then our grand opening was in February, at the end of February of 2019. So we're almost one year in this location. But as we were moving in, there was a prophetic word spoken over us as a congregation. And we wrote it down, and we've looked at it, we've kind of uh, dug into it. And the, the prophetic word, when you boil it down, is that we, as a church, were a powder keg of potential. That was the word. And we've, we've talked about that in prayer times and different things, and our staff has talked about it, and our board, and, and uh and what I've realized is that prayer is what will light the wick or whatever to ignite the powder keg of potential. In fact, this hit me hard this last fall, Jessica and I. We, for years, a couple years now, we have been... Uh, on Wednesday nights was our date night, and it was important to us, and we still are dating, don't worry. Um, but we, we decided, we were like, man, um, we need to pray. We need to pray together more. We need to pray with the church more. And so we let the uh, board know, 
And we invited them initially, and then it kind of grew, and then we made it public, and we call it date night prayer in the fall. And uh, we were saying, hey, we're, we're going to put aside date night, and we're going to pray. It was a sacrifice. I mean, we enjoyed being together, but we knew how important it was to be together. And as we move into the new year, we're going to be praying uh, along with the youth group schedule. So youth group meets on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. We're going to be praying from 7 to 8, and it's going to be our thing. And, and uh, if the youth group takes a break for a holiday, we'll take a break from prayer. But otherwise, it's going to be consistent, even through connect group season, all that. And we encourage you, and we'll talk about this, um, to be there. But when we started, I, I just had this revelation, like, you know what? When we start praying, God is going to move. He's going to come close to us individually. And corporately, people are going to say, man, God is in that place. And I want you to mark our words. When we, when we look back at the end of 2019 into 2020 and beyond, we will, we will see a marked difference because we started to pray. Mark my words. In fact, I've had this sense that from here moving forward, the most important service of the week is Wednesday night prayer. In fact, I would say if you are going to only come to one service a week, don't come on Sunday morning. Come to Wednesday night prayer. It's the most important meeting. It's what will ignite the powder keg. It's what will ignite your potential. It will ignite our potential. And I believe that God, He will be honored when we do that together. Yeah, thank you. Yes. His, the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. They, there was something different about Jesus. They wanted to learn. And our goal on these Wednesday nights is to help you. For some of you thinking, man, an hour to pray? What in the world would I pray about? We help you. It's directed prayer. It's incredible. Teach us to pray Wednesday nights. I want to end our service, this first service of the year, a little different. And uh, Bobby, I'm going to call an audible here. Um, what I'd like to do is for the worship team to join me here. And I want you, Pastor Bobby, to imagine that you are in your own prayer closet, worshiping and praising the Lord by yourself. And the team can kind of follow you. And what I'd like us just to imagine is that we were in our own prayer closet, so to speak, in our, in our own prayer situation. So we forget about the person to our left and right, who's in front of us, who's inside of us. And what I'd like us to do is to create an atmosphere where the Lord can just meet us and that we can pray. And at some point, 
you can move into the song that we want. It's called Nothing Else. That's just a great song just saying there's nothing else more important than the presence of God. And, uh, and we can do that. But I'd like to invite you into a, a moment of prayer. Jesus said, my house, talking about the church, shall be called a house of prayer. And so I'm going to invite the team to come. I'm going to ask that you stand where you are just to kind of get the jitters out. And then you can be seated again or you could come to the altar or find a place on your own. But we are going to turn this place into a place of prayer. And what I'd like us to do is just to press in together. But it's individually, but then all corporately together. We're asking the Lord to meet us and to challenge us. And then after we... Uh, get through a little bit here. We'll, I've got a few closing thoughts. Uh, Lord, I just pray that in these next few moments that we would fix our eyes on you. And Lord, that you would do in our midst what only you can do. Lord, we want to spend some time praying with you, talking, but also listening. Lord, we need you. And Lord, yes, we know that when we spend time with you, there's greater power and effectiveness and wisdom. But Lord, let's put all those things aside. All we want is a relationship with you, Jesus. Help us in these moments early in 2020 to make this a priority. of prayer. I'm going to ask that you just hang tight. Let the service is not over. And uh, we'll have a few closing comments here in a few minutes. Hallelujah. 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 Just as for those of us that are parents long to spend time with our kids, for those that are not parents, you can imagine spending time with your closest friends. It's a give and take. There's talking, there's listening, sometimes it's just being together. But what the key in this situation is that we acknowledge that there's nothing else more important than our relationship. song that we've sang a few times. We're about to sing it here. It's called Nothing Else. As we make our way through that song, and then we'll close after that, I want you to consider the words. Maybe sing them. Maybe just let the words flow over you. But when it gets to the chorus and the, and the final, final push, the, I want you to sing as if this is your declaration for the year, that nothing else matters. Nothing except the presence of God in your life in 2020. Let's do it together. All right, ready? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's, let's worship the Lord. Thank you. 
let that be our anthem this year. That more than just a few moments on a Sunday, but Lord, let us carry that with us. Help us, Jesus. These next several weeks, we're talking about who is Jesus. In this message, who is Jesus? Jesus was a person of prayer. We are to model our lives after him, and I would encourage you to be crafting time in your schedule to spend time with the Lord this year. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to step up here so I can see your eyes. I'm going to challenge each and every one of you. I did this first service as well. That over the next four Wednesday nights, at a minimum, that every single one of us would make it to a prayer, to our prayer meeting on Wednesday night at least once. We pray from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. It's directed prayer. We're going to help you. But it's incredible. And let's just see what God does. We meet right here. And it's actually in the Gateway Kids area because the students will be here. Let's make that a priority. I'm going to ask the team to just continue to play. There's no hurry to get out of here today. But if you have to go, we can totally understand. You're dismissed. But uh, team, if you just continue to play for the next few moments, we'd love that. Uh, God bless you. And for the couple that I'm going to just connect with here just real quick. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.